Hi, this is Joe Rubens. Hi, this is J.M.D. Mateus. Hi, this is John Beatty. Hi, this is Tom Brevoort. This is Mike Perkins. This is Ron Garney, and you're listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 50 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I am your host, Rick Verbanis, and as always, I am joined by the best gosh darn co-host, at least for the last 50 episodes, Mr. Bob Lucius. Bob, season's greetings. <laughs> 50, Rick. I can't believe, you know, I am... I'm super excited about this. I am way more excited about the podcast turning 50 than I was when I turned 50. I can assure you of that, my friend. Uh, I feel the same way yeah. as someone who actually is 50. I am I am 50 as we're recording this, at least for a little while longer. For a little but, while longer, <clears throat> okay. But uh, yeah, yeah, I hear you. Man, turning 50 as a podcast, I got to tell you, Bob, when I... When I was thinking, just the thought popped into my head. It was just, the, just the podcast was just a gleam in your eye. It was, it yeah. was. Uh, back in fall of 2020. Woo! Right? Way back machine. I know. So we are uh, in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, we, the Facebook group has been out for half a year. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. We were at 2,000, 2,500 members, something like that. And I thought to myself, you know, the, the Facebook group is great. You know, I mean, I've, 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 I've met so many people. I, you know, I, uh, I've had an opportunity to um, just, you know, share with a lot of other comic book fans, uh, Captain America comic book fans. And, and, and it's just been great. But how do I take this to the, the next level? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I was like, maybe a podcast, right? But I don't know anything about podcasts. I don't right. know anything about what it takes. I don't know, you know, the the platforms you need, the the hardware you need. Uh, you know, how do you get it started? I I didn't know any of that. But I, yeah. but I I had a I had a dream, Bob. You had a dream, and folks. I did, and I was like. I think I can make this work. And I, I, you know, I know myself, I, I get a bug in my head. It's going to happen. Like I'm going to, I'm going to make it happen. But one of the things that I needed to do, uh, and I knew I couldn't do this alone. I needed a partner and Bob, you were the first person I thought of. I thought for a second, you were going to say the fifth. Uh, it started with an f i knew it was either going to be first or fifth so uh (laughs) yeah yeah i remember you uh you asking me you know wanted to talk and uh and i said podcasts i mean what's that uh i don't even (laughs) listen to podcasts uh, and what's what is the pod exactly uh that we're casting from like i had no idea you know it's uh it's just wacky stuff and uh and i thought to myself well, shoot, I got a lot going on, but uh, who doesn't want to be involved in something like this, you know, to have the opportunity to sit down and, and talk about something you love with, uh, with somebody who loves it just as much and, and then share that love with listeners yeah. who, who love it as well. So uh, it's a great opportunity. And I, I, I thank you for the opportunity to be part of it. 
Well, of course. Now, I'm, I'm just curious. Do you recall when I said, hey, Bob, and I sent you a little uh, PM via Facebook Messenger, and I was like, hey, Bob, um, I'd like to talk to you. Uh, do you want to, can we do a video call? Do you, do you recall your thoughts? You're like, oh, no. That oh, way. No. The, the admin <laughs> wants to talk to me. <laughs> oh, here we go. I'm going to be buying some, some protein powders and uh, <laughs> some makeup I don't need. But, uh, but I can't say no. So I probably would have bought it anyway. So uh, no, scratch that. Edit that out. I don't want anybody calling me with their, with their <laughs> yeah. Amway or whatever pitches. Um, yeah. So. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it was, it's been great. It's hard to believe that uh, now, uh, you know, it hasn't been 50 weeks, but, but we've, we've put out in the course of uh, nine months, we've put out 50 episodes. That's amazing. That. that is amazing. And, you know, I just have to show up every week, somewhat informed uh, and, and, uh, and laugh along. To <laughs> <laughs> throw, throw a couple of color commentary comments in there and uh, maybe a joke or two, but the Rick, uh, he's got the heavy burden that he carries editing and uh, prepping these shows for upload and, and marketing. So uh if you love this show, folks, uh, and I think you do, because you wouldn't be listening if you didn't, um, and you, uh, you owe Rick a debt of gratitude uh, for uh, for your entertainment value. Um, well, you know, it's a labor of love. I've said that from the beginning. Uh, you know, it 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 certainly <laughs> it is labor, but it is labor of love, and I I I'm really enjoying doing it and. Man, we've we've grown the listenership um, in the last couple months. We've grown the the amount of supporters, the patrons. We thank you. Um, that that allows us to to keep going and to um, to put out a, a new podcast every Wednesday, every new comic book day. And so we're 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 grateful for that. In fact, Bob, I'm feeling pretty generous. You, you are. Know, we have these these awesome coins. What would Cap do? Got mine right here. Right? <laughs> Got a little plastic case I carry it around in my pocket every day. Yeah, well, I do too. And you know, it's uh, it's a very cool coin. Um, one side it says "What would Cap do?" The other side has the the famous shield on it, and then on both sides has a ring of uh, characteristics uh, that we we all strive to, towards, right? And so um, we. If you're a patron of the show, we, uh, after three months, we mail this coin to you, right? So, but I'm feeling generous, Bob. I'm thinking it's episode 50. It's an anniversary episode. I want to go, I want to give away, get this, Bob, not one, not two. I want to give away three coins. Wow. Right now, yeah. three different people. Two. Yeah, and, uh, three different people I want to send a coin to. Now, what do we have to do? Go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. And if we get 10, I, I, let me back this up. When we get 10 more uh, reviews from from this date forward, right? If we get 10 more reviews, three of those 10 people are going to get this coin. That's a good deal. That's a good ratio, right? That I mean, is, like, a good ratio. like you have a very good shot. Yeah. You have a, a one in three shot 
of getting a coin if you go and put a five-star review yeah. on Apple Podcasts for us. Yeah. And what's it take? It takes like, what, two, three minutes to do one of those, right, Rick? And this coin, I'm telling you, this coin is amazing. It's amazing. I carried it around in my pocket. I tell you, I was, I was someplace today, you know, trying to get a tire fix. I was, I, I was, I was so close to punching someone in the face, but I reached <laughs> in my pocket and I had this coin in my pocket, and I was just like, sort of thumbing it around in my, my, and it was like, it saved me. Right? You I didn't said, punch anybody in the face. I said, no, Cap would not punch somebody over over a patch tire. Right. So we're he having would... this podcast right now, you because you're not in jail. Yes. For punching someone in the face. That's and this, and I owe it to this coin. That's great. Okay. So, all right. So yeah, 50, we turned 50. That is a uh, pretty sweet. Um, and we've got so much more planned, uh, for the next 50. Uh, it is, uh, we got so much cool stuff going on. I, you know what? I'll wait to the, ne- at the end of this episode, we'll talk about the next two episodes. Cause I'm mm-hmm. pretty excited about the next two episodes. We'll, we'll save that for the end. So Bob, Listen, I started off the show, as we know, every episode, I have a different hello for you. You do. And this time, what did I say this time? You said season's greetings. Why did I say season's greetings, Bob? Well, I think uh, it it comes down to, uh, you know, we're talking issue 50, uh, Rick, and uh, there's a lot of, there's some good stories. There's some great stories in this issue, but right off the bat. You know, there's a holiday theme story. It is. And let's back up. Let's back up. We're not talking about issue 50. We're talking about volume three, issue 50. Fair enough. Right? Fair enough. Now, yeah. now volume three, issue 50, just for those um, who are playing at home, uh, has a cover date of February 2002. So this came out, you know, almost 20 years ago, right? And... But it has a cover date of February 2002, but it hit the stands in December of 2001, right? So um, in that, they came out in 2000, uh, December 2001. Bob's right. The very first story is called Silent Night, Silent Morning. And it is a story that takes place on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Oh, and it's a uh, it's a it's a beautiful story, Rick. And uh, and I and I don't I think you're probably going to hit on this, but uh, it is in response to a challenge in the bullpen. You're right. Um, if you if you check out um, on the cover of this, there's a a little stamp at the bottom right corner that says "Nuff Said," and it has apostrophe N U F F. S-A-I-D, enough said. Now, that's a famous saying in Marvel Comics. Who says that, Bob? Uh, who says it, Rick? <laughs> <laughs> Stan Lee, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, it'd be Stan Lee. <laughs> enough said. Enough said, hombre. Enough said, pilgrim. Enough said, Marvel zombie. That, uh, that's a Stan Lee saying. So um, I'm going to read a page from this issue 50. Uh, of Captain America, Volume 3. And it says here, we dared them. That's right. Almost a year ago, Bill Jemis and Joe Casada hatched a test for the Marty Marvel Maestros. Since you are the best artists and writers in the biz, we challenge you to tell a story using visuals only. After all, if a picture is worth a thousand words, 
that a comic book filled with images only would be worth, well, more words than a collector could count. And if you think creating a story with no words is half the work, think again, true believer. The writer has to craft a story using no dialogue or caption boxes to communicate information. And pencilers have to make sure their storytelling is so clear that text isn't needed to explain what's going on. So, so yeah, Bob, uh, this first story is dialogue-less. Nice. Yeah, it is, it is, it is lacking in the dialogue, a dialogue-less. Yes. Yes. It's not to say that there's not some writing, right? Because they, they have some various times in here that it is, uh, they have writing. Um, but yeah, there is no dialogue and there are no caption boxes. So anyway, this particular issue of Captain America, volume three, number 50, I'm going to, I'm going to talk a little bit about it, right? Because mm-hmm. this is the last issue of volume three. Um, now, how did volume three start? Well, it was the hero's return, right? So Mark Wade, Ron Garney kicked off volume three in the late nineties, uh, mid to late nineties. And, mm-hmm. um, it was mostly Mark Wade for a while. Uh, Ron Garney left after a handful of issues. Uh, and do you remember the artist that came on board? Uh, no. So it was Andy Kubert um, became on as the artist. And then Dan Jurgens took over as writer. Um, and then Dan Jurgens took over as artist. So he was the writer and the artist um, for, for many, many issues. And um, so, he, you know, it's so funny. It's like Mark Wade and Ron Garney started it. But Dan Jurgens really took over and, and made it his own uh, as far as volume three was concerned. So I'm looking at the cover to Captain America 50, and it is uh, by Gene Ha, H-A. And I got to tell you, I don't think Gene Ha gets enough credit. Um, he was Alex Ross before Alex Ross, I think, really came about he you know gene hall was very he's always had a a kind of a realistic style about him Mm -hmm. and um and really i appreciate uh his work so he did the cover to issue 50 now he went on when volume form comes out and it's marvel knights i know he did a bunch of covers for that as well Mm -hmm. he did yeah yeah um uh but this is a, a really nice visual of classic uniform of captain america and um with some different backgrounds and uh, a little red white and blue action going on um so it's a really cool captain america um now it has underneath issue 50 a little legacy number of 518 now here's the thing bob that 518 apparently is incorrect you don't say. I do. So if you go to marvel.fandom.com and you look up this issue on there, it has a little thing in the notes. And it says the cover of this issue is erroneously dual numbered 518. If this was to indicate the original numbering of Captain America Volume 1, the number should have been 517. Huh. 
When the whole numbering returns in 2009 with 600, it will be based on this issue being 517. Well, that's interesting. I wonder who uh, who messed up the count and why. What is the conspiracy? I don't know. What did you drop? Uh, I dropped my coin. Son of a nutcracker, man. Popped right out of my plastic case, too. I was oh, just bragging no. about my plastic case. I was, I, was, I was twiddling with it in my fingers because that's what you do with a coin. What would Cap do, Bob? What would Cap do? Cap would bend over and pick it up. That's what he'd do. He wouldn't leave it on the floor. All right. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, that's the cover Interesting. of uh, issue 50. It is a cool cover. I mean, I love Gene Ha, and, uh, and I love the juxtaposition between what looks to be Pearl Harbor on the, on the left and, uh, and sort of an Independence Day celebration in, uh, in New York City on the right. It's cool. It's a great cover. It is. It really is. Um, so the first, and, and so what is in issue 50? So issue 50 is an anniversary issue. It, it does not continue a story left over from issue 49. It is a self-contained issue, which we thought was the perfect issue to do episode 50 because it's self-contained, right? Um, so there are several stories in here, and we'll get to as many as we can. Uh, it just depends on how long we go here. This first story is called Silent Night, Silent Morning. And uh, the story and pencils are by Dan Jurgen. So I got to say, for this whole Nuff Said challenge, I don't know if Dan's, Dan's a little, got a little advantage over the rest of the people because he knows in his mind when he wrote this story what the visual should look like, right, without the dialogue, mm-hmm. without the captions. So uh, he, uh, he got a little bit of an advantage, I think. Uh, but Bob Layton, who is longtime collaborator of Dan Jurgens, he's the anchor. Todd Klein does the letters. Uh, Avalon Studios, the colors. And then Andrew Liss is the editor and Joe Casada editor-in-chief. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we start off this story and we have a character who we don't know. Um, and we find out later that his name is Lloyd Grunell. And he is a, um, in a, you know, he looks like a middle-aged, right? Uh, he's in his uh, business attire. He's got a tie on, but not, not the jacket. And he's rubbing his head and he's holding his glasses. And you could see there's a newspaper heading that says, Lenko announces year-end layoffs. This is the Daily Bugle. Bob, do you see the, uh, the second little uh, article there, what the headline says? I do. The Daily Bugle reports here that uh, apparently the absorbing man has escaped. Who's the absorbing man? He, he's a man who absorbs, Rick. 
Yeah, this is not the quicker picker upper. <laughs> Do you not who know who the absorbing man is? Uh, I don't know his name, Rick. Crusher Creel. Crusher Creel. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I would have said Crusher Creel, but I thought that was a different guy. Well, you thought wrong. Yeah. You're you I know he's bald, but it's not, you know, yeah. it's not uh the uh Ajax man or Mr. Clean. No, it's not Mr. Clean. Oh, I love Mr. Clean. Yeah. Yeah. And because he, he's not a quicker picker up. <laughs> he's the absorbing man. <laughs> All right. So um Which is a weird we'll, name, by the way. Which one? I mean, it's just technically. I just said speaking, a million names. Probably. I mean, absorbing man. It's just technically, it just seems off. Hmm. Almost like the character was created in the sixties. Almost. <laughs> Good point. Enough said. Yes. Oh, oh there you go. Oh, nicely played. Um, so Lloyd's looking at. He picks up a picture frame from his desk because he's in his business office, and it's. It appears to be late night, but it's not, and I'll tell you why later. Um, and he looks and there's his wife and his two kids who are young and he takes up, picks up the, um, the picture and he puts it in a box with the rest of his stuff. Next page, he's walking away with his box. Bobby, you ever been in that situation? Where I have you, Rick. It sucks, right? I have. Yes. Yes. More than on more than one occasion. Uh, <laughs> I have walked out of the office with my box of things yes i've i've had i've had that happen <laughs> once or twice it is a bad yes, experience so for all of you out there who have been through it we raise a glass yes cheers so uh as he's walking out um uh, this woman comes up to him to uh it looks like give her condolences and he's he's like okay i appreciate it and 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 but the rest of his coworkers are having a holiday party around a christmas tree right. and they're like he looks at him and he, he just walks out he walks outside and it's snowing now the reason i say it looks like night cuz it does it's dark outside but but bob what time does that clock say you know i i can't tell but it looks like it's about three o'clock in the afternoon rick yeah it's no. not three o'clock in the morning. I mean, no. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm thinking, Bob, I'm thinking uh, Dan Jurgens, the uh, artist, did not pay attention to Dan Jurgens, the writer's thing, because uh, this should be in the evening. Right. Well, it's evening somewhere. You know, it's always happy hour somewhere. Yeah, that's true. So he's walking amongst uh, all these people in the snow who are carrying their packages. And you could see some of them are smiling and having a good time because why? It's the holidays. Time for good spirit. He walks by yeah. a jewelry store. He sees a beautiful necklace. He thinks of his wife, but he doesn't have, you know, he doesn't have a job. He can't, he can't get this for her. And it's, no, I love that, Rick. I love that because it doesn't actually say Right. There's no imagery of his wife, but you automatically went to that because that's what this that's what these images convey. And I think that's that's pretty amazing uh, that that Dan was able to do that. Right. Well, it's probably because I, you know, he picked up a a photo of his wife. Well, of course. I mean, but that's what that's the beauty of this connection from the earlier panels. He's able to, to without us even questioning. it. That's a good point, Bob. I'm pretty sure he wasn't looking at it for himself, Bob. Well, you never know, Rick. Yeah, that's true. You know. So the next page, um, 
he sees a, a man dressed as Santa standing over a kettle that says give and he's ringing his bell. And so, you know, Lloyd breaks out his wallet and he looks inside and he has a $5 bill and that's all he has, Bob. And he puts it in the bucket. So what does that tell us about Lloyd? He's a good man. He's a good man. He's yeah. a good man. He's a generous man. If he I gets, knew better, if I didn't know better, I think he'd have one of these, what would Cap do coins in his pocket. Exactly. Right, right. You know, because there's always somebody off who's worse off than you. Um, so he opens up the door as he gets home and he, he has his box and he, see, he looks inside the window and he sees his kids running around. He's like, I can't let them know I just got fired. So he takes the box and he hides it outside. I personally would have left it in the car, but that's just me. So he runs inside with a big smile on his face and he sees the kids and he hugs them and he plays with them. And, uh, but there's his wife, his wife sitting at the dining room table and she looks upset and she's holding bills and she shows them to her husband and husband's like, kids, you, you go on and run. Right. Which is a good father. He doesn't let his kids know about the stress. Yeah. That's, that's a, Good dad right there. Yeah. Good call there. Good catch and, on that. Well. Thank yeah, you. we've all been there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So his his wife starts to cry. And she looks, she points to the Christmas tree. And there's there's no gifts underneath the Christmas tree. And she picks up a uh, uh, a bill. And it, what does it say? It says overdue. So her husband's like, don't worry about this. I got this covered. And he goes upstairs and he goes into his bedroom and he picks underneath his bed and he pulls out a box of, you know, like we, we all have a box, right? A box of, uh, you know, yep. our stuff. Keeps, keepsakes, keepsakes, right? And they're, yep. did I say that word right? Keepsakes. Yep. Whatever. It's good enough. Okay. Yeah. And, um, but when he opens up the box, there's, there's a note. There's a note that says, Lloyd. And he opens it up and it says, Lloyd, sorry I had to raid your, quote, secret stash of cash, but it was the only way I could buy you a birthday present. I'll pay it back. Promise. Love, Ellen. Uh It's the gift of the Magi, man. Yikes. He, uh, so the money he thought was there was not there because his wife used it to buy him a birthday present. So, he um, he gets in the car to go out and get some presents, and uh, he goes to a, a toy store, which is right next to a bank, open Christmas Eve, and he's in there, and he sees this radio-controlled uh, plane, but then everything starts to rumble, starts to move, and the next, when we turn the page, it's a double-page splash. For those who aren't familiar with art terms, what that means is a splash page is a page that is one panel. That's just one panel. Beautiful splash page. A double page splash is when you take two pages and you put them next to each other to form one huge image. Those are rare in comics. They don't happen very often. Um, and when they do, it's, it's supposed to be a very impactful image so here it is cap busting through a wall and who's who's busting him through the wall it's the man himself crusher creel 
absorbing man to you and me. <laughs> and yes. Lloyd's just looking at this, watching. So basically, on the other side of the wall was the bank, right? And they're coming through the bank because, I guess, you know, Crusher Creel was trying to rob the bank. So there's Cap falling through the wall. And uh, they're fighting, and they're fighting. Um, and, you know, Absorbing Man, what his power is, Bob, his power is if he touches something with his bare skin, he absorbs the essence, the energy of what he touches. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if he touches stone, he becomes stone. If he touches metal, he becomes metal. If he touches uh, water, you're right? Mm-hmm. Guess what he becomes if he touches water? Uh, water? No, pizza. <laughs> <laughs> no water okay. I, lo- I love pizza man yeah so um he gets invited to a lot of parties uh so <laughs> so anyway he, he he's in there and he decides to touch um the the cement that was there to so turn his body into cement so when cap throws his shield to knock him out and hits him in the head it ricochets because he's made out of stone right so and he carries around this um this big, uh, what do you call that? I call that a ball and a chain, Rick. Ball and a chain. It's a big ball, yeah. right? I mean, it's not like a basketball size. It's 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 almost like a, hey, we're we're taking down a building size almost, right? I mean, yeah, he's serious, yeah, yeah, right. So he carries around this ball and chain. He nails Cap, and they're fighting. Uh, and by the way, uh, Lloyd, who's there, he's trying to stay out of trouble. But the camera crew is there because they've been following the fight. And so that's on TV and Lloyd's family and home is watching all this. So Cap and Absorbing Man are fighting uh, and he hits Cap down and Cap's kind of falling and he's, he's, he's a, at a disadvantage. But Lloyd sees that remote control plane that he was looking at before for one of his kids and he decides to use the remote control plane and fly it into absorbing man's head which is made out of plastic which then all of a sudden turned him into plastic so cap came up and nailed him right but as he was falling back absorbing man grabs one of the steel girders he turns the steel and he he's fighting and he punches back cap now there's electrical wires that are hanging from from the destruction cap gets the the wire and he hits absorbing man and just then and of course the family's watching this on tv right Mm -hmm. just then um lloyd decides to get a bag of cotton balls and and toss them at the absorbing man what happens if Lloyd touches cotton and then gets the electric volt? Uh, catches on fire, Rick. Uh, if cotton's, I don't think, non-conducting, but in any case, <laughs> I don't know, man. What happens? I'm not a scientist, Bob. I don't I'm know like, how this works. Do I, I thought like you would, do don't you like, do your research for these things? Do I figured I know, you would have looked this up. 
Do I not look? I'm not Peter Venkman. I don't, I'm no <laughs> scientist, my friend. You know what? I got to tell you, I'm hung up though. I'm hung up on mm-hmm. the panel that oh. shows it shows Lloyd with the bag of cotton balls and his mm-hmm. wife watching at home and his kids watching at home on TV and her touching the screen. Yeah. I love that panel. Yeah. She is. She's touching the screen. Like, like I'm here for you. Yeah. She like sees his heroism. Yeah. Right. And she smiles. So cap prevails because of Lloyd's help, right. We're turning him into cotton. And uh, so they, uh, the people who are coming to take Crusher Creel away have like this, um, you know, some sort of gizmo on him to reduce his powers, right? Uh-huh. Some sort of thing. And and as he's walking up, he shows Cap a picture of his wife. And he tells the story of the reason he went to bust into the bank is because he wanted to get his wife a Christmas present. So Lloyd, that touched Lloyd because he understands. He wanted to get his wife a Christmas present. Um, but then out of nowhere, a, uh, a a car pulls up and there's a guy in a pinstripe uh, yeah. suit, right? Right. Um, and uh, very much a uh, lawyer looking kind of guy. And he comes up and he hands with a smile, Lloyd. A check and the check says twenty thousand dollars reward made out to Lloyd Grunwald. So I guess they knew who he was from watching the TV show. Yeah. And I guess uh this was from uh the, the bank, right? The bank that was getting robbed felt like, hey, we're gonna do something nice here for you because you helped out. So Lloyd talks to Cap and the two of them go running off. Now it's the next day. What's the next day, Bob? It's Christmas morn, my friend. Exactly. It's Christmas morn. And Lloyd and his wife, they come walking out. And the kids see all these presents under the Christmas tree. And, and the wife, she, she's aghast. And the wife, she gets that necklace that, that Lloyd was checking out in the, um, in, the win, in the window, right? That's the one. Yeah. And then, you know what? You know who else gets a present, Bob? The same exact necklace, Rick. Yes, it is Crusher Creel's wife. And she's opening up a present and she sees the necklace and the tag says, Mary, I ran into a little trouble last night, but I'll be home soon. Love, Crusher. And you see her smile and she's taking the necklace and who's leaving the window watching this the most famous alpha ball captain america indeed yep so cap went and got her that necklace left it underneath her tree and i'm pretty sure cap wrote that note i think that's a good bet that's a good i mean i mean come on that's a nice story. That's a great story. It's a great, not only is it a great season's greeting story, Rick, as you pointed out in the intro to the podcast, but it's just a great story overall. 
Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a magnificent use. It's a magnificent use of visuals to tell a story without really dialogue. <clears throat> yeah. Can't be done. So I got to take you back to, uh, I apologize, everybody. We're going to, we're going to go into one of my tangents. Here we go, folks. <laughs> so Bob, <laughs> I, I would love to hear, I would, I would love to hear personally, I'm just putting this out there to our listeners who are on our Facebook page who respond because I post every week um, our podcast um, in the Facebook group. And sometimes, many times, we get the listeners who post underneath their comments. They're like, hey, listen to this, and they give their feedback. Guys, I need your feedback. I need to hear yay or nay on my tangents if i if i go off on these tangents you set me straight say rick stick to the captain america comic books that's why we're here or say rick hey love to hear these personal stories or these tangents or whatever you go off on let me know anyway so here's a tangent so back when i was in college i was a communication major and i my my back back in my youth when I was in high school, um, way, 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 way back. Shut up, Bob. <laughs> I, I really wanted to write and direct movies. That was what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I was, I took uh, communication classes in high school. I was in TV production. I did uh, a lot of writing and editing and camera work uh, and stuff on screen. And it was a lot of fun. And when I went to college, I was a communication major, and I, I emphasized in radio, TV, film, and I took TV classes and film classes and things like that. Now, didn't work out for me. I decided not to pursue that. I fell in love. I instead wanted to be with my girlfriend, who became my wife, and um, uh didn't want to move to California, you know, like it was a different world back then. You know, like you, you couldn't like pick up your, your phone and, and, and create something. It was, right. you know, um, so anyway, uh, I, I was in a film class and one of the assignments was you needed to create a film without any dialogue. Okay. All you could have was a soundtrack. The only sound you could, well, no, I don't even know if that was the case. No, matter of fact, it wasn't the case. It was, you couldn't have, you couldn't talk on screen was, was the only caveat. So, um, you know, me and, and these four other guys were, I was assigned with created this film and uh, it was a silent film and it was, it was, uh, it was kind of quirky. It was a, um, uh, a bad take on the fairy godmother. All right. It was a it was a fairy godfather, and it was about this kid who was in college who didn't have any money, and he needed money, so he decided to um, trick the tooth fairy by putting fake teeth under his pillow, and the tooth fairy didn't like that, and the tooth fairy chased him and tracked him down um, to get his money back. And uh, it was it was a fun story. It was a fun story. Now here's yeah. but the lesson learned 
the lesson learned was when everybody was showing their final product to the professor, at that time, the professor decided to show the same when he got the assignment when he was in college. So this is years later, um, what he did. And at that point, he showed how smart he was and smarter than everybody else was he had someone call in and leave like a voice message and they used that to tell, help tell the story. Like on phone recordings, like someone came and like hit the message uh-huh. and, and, and his, what he was trying to t- teach us was, look, there's a lot of ways to tell a story. And, and use these different ways to tell a story. So I bring that back to what Dan Jurgens did. And Dan right. Jurgens, you know, he used, um, he used the, the Daily Bugle to kind of, you know, tell the story. He used um, a, a note that was in his box under the bed right. from, yeah. his, from his wife. He used... Um, you know, uh, signs in the stores, right? Mm-hmm. He used, um, I'm trying to think what else. He used photographs. Yeah, he used his photographs to tell stories, right? He, um, or, or the check, you know, that was written out. Right, you know? yeah. yeah. Um, or, the, or the note that was written to um, Crusher Krill's wife, right? These are ways that he could tell the story um, but kind of, was it cheating? Mm, no, I don't think so. He was just being creative. Yeah. And yeah. That, that shows uh, a, the sign of a, of a good uh, creator. Right. And what, do we, what, have we, what have we learned from today's lesson, Rick? I think I don't know, Bob. <laughs> I, think what, me. I think what we've learned is like, remember uh, when we, we uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going ahead. I don't know if I'm going in the past or I'm going in the future. But in our interview with Steve Englehart. Oh, that's the future, Bob. All right. Well, we're yeah, gonna you, go. just, you just blew it. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to talk about the future, man. And, you know, Steve talked about his relationship with Sal, right? And how he could write anything. And Sal would know how to render it visually. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between, you know, uh, somebody who, who's got it, right? Who, who is a professional and who understands the medium that they can tell a story visually doesn't mean that a writer isn't important because the writer, as we see here, because they provided us part of the script, right? The writer is telling the story, but, but the, the, the artist is, is rendering it in a visual style such that the words aren't necessary, uh, mm-hmm. at least not explicitly, right? They're implicitly uh, uh, spelled out or told in the, in the visuals themselves. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of this medium. And I think a lot of people discount you know, uh, comic books as being sophomoric or you know, juvenile. They're not not real literature, but but we see here that how how a story with such emotional content can be told simply through the visuals. I'm so glad you said that because sometimes I think, you know, what's the name of our podcast? It's, it's uh, oh, I thought ahead. that was an actual question. The Captain. Ahead, <laughs> I don't know if you forgot. It's the Captain America comic book fans podcast. Yeah. And it, sometimes I don't think we emphasize comic book in those five words enough. I think we talk, I think we're Captain America fans. That comes 
through and through. But I'd, sometimes I wonder if we come across as the comic book portion of that. And and I'm so glad that you brought up what you did, Bob, because, you know, I try to do my best describing the visual in this podcast, right. but it's it's hard to, to do it justice. Sure, you know? yeah. You know, so um, so what I hope is that through our conversations that we encourage those out there to to pick up the issue and to read it. And uh, I, I, I know for a fact that some people wait, you know, I, I know a lot of people listen to this podcast while they're in their commutes, if they're at the gym, if they're doing something, you, you know, hey, we love you. Thank you for doing that. But we also know there are some people out there who, who wait to listen until they can get the comic out themselves and they follow along. I think that's great. And you know what, Bob? One of the things that uh, came up in our Facebook group in the last week mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was one of our international listeners. Yes, indeed. And who said that um, he it helps him with his English by going along with the comics and listening to to us talk. And so uh, that's pretty cool, too. Right. right. Uh, because 20 percent, you know, I'm just looking at this. I'm looking at the metrics. 20% of our listeners are, are outside of America, maybe even 25%. Um, so, uh, so, you know, that's pretty cool too, right? Um, yeah. In that we have a lot of listeners outside of the United States, as well as many people in our Facebook group are outside of the United States as well. So, um, but yeah, it's the visual, right? It's the visual. And by the way, before I get lost on this tangent, um, I will say, you're right. Steve Engelhart talked about his relationship with Sal Buscema and how how that is. And I, I encourage you in a couple episodes from now, listen to that because it's a, it's a great conversation with one of the all-time greatest Captain America writers. Um, but you know who else who said that? Do you remember? Uh, it's coming to me. It's coming to me. Coming to me. Uh, I Gosh darn it! There were actually there were a few that that brought it up. J.M. Uh, Demetrius, yeah, my favorite Captain yeah. America writer, J.M. Demetrius. Um, he talked about Mike Zek in that mm-hmm. reference, mm-hmm. and he said that you know he was blessed to have Mike Zek for most of the, his his career as a Captain America writer, who could just take what he wrote as a, as a script. And then, and it just, it came out, you know, beautifully, perfectly on on the page, on the page. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like you said, Rick, I mean, this, uh, hopefully this podcast whets your appetite. It's not a replacement. It's no cliff notes, right? You're not doing a book report in, uh, in 10th grade. (laughs) The cliff notes is going to get you across the finish line. This is intended to whet your appetite. So you go out, you pick up the hard copy, pick up the digital copy, and you read it yourself because uh, it, we can do no justice to the to the original material. Next, next story, Bob, is called "Keep in Mind," and this is written by Catherine Cooter. Artist is Stuart Immerman. Now, Stuart, he's a he's a very established artist. He's been around for a long time. Um, so he he did the uh, the pencil and the inking and the coloring. 
And then you have Todd Klein is the letterer, Andrew List, editor, and Joe Casada, editor in chief. So on this particular story, we have a an elderly gentleman. Now, granted, everybody keep in mind when you're hearing this story, it takes place in 2002, right? This is 60, 55 to 60 years, you know, after World War II. Yeah. Right. So any World War II veteran would be at this point, 75, 85 years old. Right. So picture that when you say uh, of this, this, gentleman who's walking into the East Park Public Schools, and he's a, you know, a Caucasian man with a receding white hair and a, wearing a suit and, and glasses, and he, he's going into the public school. Good morning, Mrs. Watt. Mr. Scott, I'm so glad you were able to come and speak to us. Our classroom is just down here. The children are so excited to meet you. We've just finished our World War II unit, and we're so lucky to have you come and tell us your story. We were hoping you'd wear your uniform, but you look very nice. So then as we're that part of the portion of the story, we're cutting to Captain America, Steve Rogers, in his civilian's outfit. And he is um, wearing a uh, a long... um, trench coat right and he is in france in uh, the port of immigration and uh they are asking uh passport s'il vous plaît and num he says steve rogers and uh they ask him how long were you staying a week Will you be conducting any business on this trip? No, I'm just back for a visit. I like how he says back for a visit. Right. Yeah. Right. So he's, he's walking from the airport and while he's walking and he, he's looking up at a plane, we hear the elderly vet talking. Every life, mine, yours, your teachers, is made of moments, and some of them stay with you until the very end. I was 23 years old in 1944. I had two months of training to prepare me for two years as a co-pilot on a a reconnaissance plane. That's a big word, which meant, for us, making maps and being nosy. I want to pause here, Bob. Mm. I think that is so relevant, right? Uh-huh. Because in, in the time of war, when you were drafted and you're pulled in to war, there's not much time for training. Oh, hell no. Yeah. And, and this man two months to train to be a co-pilot on a plane. That's, I don't know. That's heavy. That's something to like really yeah. to, to think about. Yeah. In a, in a, in a wartime situation, you know, I, I was, a, I was a peacetime, you know, 
I spent, you know, as you know, I spent a lot of time in the Marines, but uh, even though we were at war, we were all volunteers. Uh, these were folks that, uh, yeah, there were lots of folks like, uh, you know, like Steve Rogers who, uh, who volunteered. But, but in reality, a lot of folks were simply told to uh, report for duty. And they got a couple months of training and then they shipped out. Yeah. And they did it. It was valuable work. It may be safer than being on the ground, certainly safer than the fighter plane. Some gunners had to be washed out of their turrets with a fire hose. We had a better chance of coming home in one piece, although not necessarily alive. We were all there, so far from home, heroes and villains alike. And sometimes when I looked up, it was hard to believe this was happening in a place that beautiful. And we ached for a chance to change history. And we hoped that we'd live to tell our children about it. On the morning of October 9th, on a routine mapping mission along the coast of France, our plane was blasted out of the air by enemy fire. Now, during this talk that he's giving to the children in the classroom, Steve Rogers is going back to... That looks like Normandy, right? Yes. Yeah. So to revisit um, some places of World War II where he was. We were rabbits in the mouth of a wolf, and he tore us to shreds. I reached for Captain John Dell, just in time to watch him fall. There were four men on that plane, but when I woke up, I was in a roadside ditch by myself. But I wasn't alone. German troops were moving, pushing on, and I needed to get out of there. So we see flashbacks to Captain John Dell being sucked out of the plane. And we see him landing in a parachute, and we see the the German troops on the on the on the road. At the same time, we see Steve Rogers walking, and um, he comes up to a road where a, a bus stops and picks him up. And Steve Rogers continues to walk to see uh, the old turrets. Pillboxes, yeah. They were on this on the on the land there. And um he sees a a young lady modeling next to one with being photographed. Almost seems disrespectful. It does. We've seen this a lot lately, you know, using almost sacred spots for uh you know for likes. Yeah. There was no way to be sure exactly where I was, but I knew the direction the tanks were going. And I thought as long as I could tell the difference between a gun turret and a farmhouse, then just heading away from the advancing line would be enough for the time being. Those turrets still exist, but I wonder if most people know why they were built in the first place. I ended up in the cellar of an abandoned homestead 
It was five, maybe six days living on raw potatoes and some pretty good wine. Hearing the rumble of tanks and the thunder of artillery, not knowing if it was ours or theirs. While I waited for it to stop, I prayed to be not rescued, but found. There was no shortage of brave men, men with enough guts to hang around looking for one kid. Guts or insanity. It was hard to tell sometimes. These were, and he picks up a, a picture that he brought with him. And he, and he holds it to show uh, the class. These were all the men I flew with. Two days after I got back to base, I found out I was the only one found from the crash. Only nine of the 32 men in this picture made it home at all. Imagine that. How many children are in this class? My teacher says, 31. Now that's heavy, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, there's 32 picture, 32 pictured in this, you know, of who he's with, and there's 31 kids in his class, but only nine, you know, made it home. You know, that's got to hit hard with the kids, right? Right. You're considering that those, those 32 were probably only a few years older, you know, five years older at most than probably the kids in that very class that he's speaking to. And then he shows a, a newspaper and there's Cap standing with a bunch of soldiers. I cut this out of the paper the day I went home. To me, it will always show the very best of what we can be. These were people fighting for what they knew to be right. And you didn't have to shake every one of their hands to feel their presence. All over the world, there are places we can visit to remember what happened, to imagine what happened. Sometimes it's surprising how people react. The anger or sadness or confusion we show can catch us off guard. So here's Steve visiting a uh, cemetery. And there's a woman in a business suit holding a cell phone. Hello, stupid thing. Hello, I, it, it's me, just, just get him. I'm tired of waiting in, in, in this expense. Will, will you please now do it? I'm sorry I yelled. But I would hope that we would at least show respect. And not just for the dead. No one can make you do it. But I believe that if we listen and try to understand, well, it's amazing what we can learn from the people around us, if we are willing. And the woman continues on her phone, Grandpa? No, no, Grandpa, I'm in Paris right now. I, I just need to talk to you. So it's almost as if being in the cemetery made the woman want to call her grandfather. Yeah, do that check-in, right? Yeah. yeah. 
I've learned that it takes courage to live in peace as well as fight for it. You've all been so quiet. Does anyone maybe have any questions they'd like to ask me? Would you ever let your children go to war? Did you ever feel like a hero? Were you ever afraid? Did you fight because you had to or because you wanted to? Did you think your friends had forgotten about you? Did you ever think you were going to die? Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's heavy. So, uh, a big salute and thank you to all all of those who have served. That is a great reminder of how. You know, some individuals are forced into a situation like that, and some volunteer. And, you know, there's heroes all around us, Bob. There are, Rick. There are indeed. Yeah. Yeah. I love that last, uh, you know, that last uh, full page. Uh, of sort of a, a Steve Rogers standing on a bluff, sort of looking off into space with, uh, with sort of, you know, cap illustrated behind him. Uh, and he's just sort of lost in thought. I think that is a beautiful uh, rendition of, uh, of, of both Cap and Steve. Uh, one, of the, one of the most beautiful I've seen. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. It was, uh, it definitely is. Uh, Eminem, is that how you pronounce his name? Eminem? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, it is, it's a striking image. And I now have a new, um, I now have a new, uh, desire to, to get a page from this story. You know, I I like to collect original art, Bob. You do? I've heard that. Uh, and I do have some favorites out there. But if I can get a page to this story, I, especially that one you just described. Yeah. Wow. It's a beaut. It's a heavy story. Well, you know, yeah. I love this next story. This next story is, uh, is great, Rick, because uh, there's so many contributors to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, let's get to that. Yeah, it's a, it is a fun and visually stimulating uh, story. Oh man, visually stimulating. Now you put pressure on me, Bob. Now I've got to like really like paint a picture here with my words. Lean in, man. Yeah. All right. All right, Bob, let's get to the next story. This one's called To the Core. And uh, Dan Juergens once again does the the writing and the penciling. And once again, Bob Layton does the ink. Uh, We have Avalon Studios doing the colors, Todd Klein, once again, doing letterers. And then we have Bobby Chase and Andrew Liss as the editors. So we have, um, it's dark at, at night and uh, sure. the moon's out and there's a, 
there's a house on a on a hilltop and it looks like it's winter time there's no leaves on the trees um and the story reads maine a big old house that looks ready to cave in on itself hardly the place to expect to find answers it's supposed to be empty nothing to indicate otherwise in fact it should probably be condemned. So he's walking in. And as he's walking in, uh, there's these mists. And you can't tell if they're coming into the house or coming out of the house. And then you hear a, a sound. And it's, it's a voice coming from nowhere. Ah, Captain America, what can you hope to accomplish here? And Cap says, once and for all, I need to erase the doubt to prove the truth. I don't know what doubts you're talking about. We've always had doubts, as long as we've known each other. And this is supposed to change everything? Absolutely. I've programmed a test to show what makes me tick. I'm not sure sure exactly how it worked, but and then as he's inside the house, which is looks to be abandoned, and there's like sheets over furniture and the lights are off, but it it changes into um, almost like a looks like it's a World War II setting, and there's Bucky, Bucky in his old garb, stand fast, Cap. Looks like we got us some ratsy company. Bucky? I remember this. You're watching one of the first battles Bucky and I ever fought. Don't know what you're talking about, boss. But if I have anything to say, it'll be Red Skull's last. And, and there's Bucky punching out Red Skull. Now, you mentioned earlier about different art, right? I did, yes. And so who, on this particular splash page... And for those who are paying attention, they know what a splash page is. Where, where is this art from? We're seeing, uh, we're seeing art by none other than John Romita and Bruce Tim. Yes. Now, John Romita, as most cap phones probably know, is a longtime Marvel artist. Um, he mostly known for drawing Spider-Man, but he did have some time drawing Captain America in the Silver Age and in the Golden Age. Indeed. Indeed. Back in the Captain America commie smasher uh, books. Yeah. And Bruce Tim is a well-known DC cartoonish style artist. So the fact that he's inking uh, John Romita, it does have a little bit of a, when you look on this page, it does have a little bit of a, a, a older looking feel to it. It does. Yeah. The style wise. Right. So then cap uh, is punching out uh, a Nazi and he says, these are the defining moments of my life. And as, as Bucky is punching out red skull, you okay, cap, you're talking nonsense. And cap is continuing where he left off. And he says, all of me laid bare before you. And just then, uh, disappearing and uh, everything changes. And as, as another scene change, not Europe anymore, New York. 
another memory come to life. And Cap says, you. And then we get to the next page. And it's a, it's a big splash page once again. And it's Captain America fighting the super adaptoid right after I was rescued by the Avengers. And he's punching with his, with his shield the super adaptoid. And he's knocking over, it looks like a chimney. And who's the art here by? This is, uh, this is again, this is Ron Friends uh, again with uh, Bruce Tim. Yeah, so now Ron Friends, uh, he's a, a classic Marvel artist. Um, and he, he sticks to that 70s style. Mm-hmm. Right? He really does. Um, and he, he was uh, an artist in the 80s and the 90s. And uh, but he definitely has that 70s style. And, and of course, as you mentioned, Bruce Tim is doing the, um, the inking. So that changes. And then on, he's on a rooftop. And then who's flying at him? But the. Um, Dragon Man. Now, Dragon Man, if you might recall, was the uh, one of the antagonists in the early John Byrne, Roger Stern issues. Um, he was a. Uh, a pawn of the machine smith. <clears throat> so he comes and he starts fighting Captain America, but we get to another splash page and it's the Falcon um, trying to catch Cap who's been pushed over by Dragon Man uh, falling to his death. And and he's he's not the Falcon of the red and white uniform mm-hmm. with the wings. He's the original Falcon with the orange and green outfit holding a grappling hook and he's like hang on partner i've got you and steve says sam and the art is the art is rick veitch and tom palmer yeah and i would say when i'm looking at this style i think rick and tom went for a gene colon style i agree i agree 100 percent. yeah very, very 70s. So then uh, we, and by the way, each time we come back to Dan Jurgens, right? So Dan right. Jurgens is is uh, now back and and Sam's dropping Steve off onto the roof. And he says, who else would pull your fat out of the fire if not your old pal, the Falcon? I know what I'm dealing with. The program is drawing me through my life, bringing me to the most important pieces of the puzzle. Each of us is the sum of our experience and the people we've known. But I see what's coming before you do. I know how you define yourself, and I know how that sometimes can change on a moment's notice. So there's Cap while he's on this roof, and he's coming up to poor old Roscoe. Roscoe. Roscoe, for those who don't recall, was the, when Cap became nomad, There, somebody by the name of Roscoe was like, well, there can't be, we still have to have a Captain America. So he, he was in uniform, but this is the scene where Red Skull had cr- killed him. Now, the next page is a big splash page again, and it's Steve in his nomad uniform fighting Cobra. Um, looks like Viper there and Eel. And uh, who do you think that last one was? It was getting kicked away. I don't know who that is, Rick. I don't know. Somebody from the Serpent Squad. Yeah. 
And um, we hear the voice in the background again, which is, you turned your back on Captain America to become nomad. By doing so, some might say you turned away from the mo- most important thing in your life. And the art here is by Sal Buscema. That's right. So we're back to Dan Jurgens. No, times were different. Dark days for me and the entire nation. I learned from that and discovered who I truly am. You went back to who Captain America really was. What about Steve Rogers? I'm not sure there's a difference. It's not like there's two of me. There's just me. Powerful as the symbol is, it's, it, it's a uniform. Beneath it, I'm still the same man. Then we get to this next splash page. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Here we go, folks. Sit back because uh, I know Rick is going to wax philosophic mm. about this splash. So we have Captain America, uh, a bus shot of Captain America, and he's looking pensive. And in the background is all of his former lovers, right? And we have Cap with Peggy Carter. Then we have Cap with Bernie Rosenthal. We have Cap with Rachel Diamondback. Then we have Cap with Connie Ferrari. Then we have Steve standing with Sharon Carter. So we have Peggy, Bernie, Rachel, Connie, and Sharon. So Cap, as he's saying all this, says, I fall into the same emotional entanglements, the same traps of life, love, and loss that others do. If each of them offered lessons to who I am and what I should be, well, it's a lesson learned. And who's the art by? Oh, Rick, it's it's by Mike Zeck and, uh, and Al Gordon. That's right. Now, I will say, this does not look like traditional Mike Zeck. Um, I, I, I mean, I think in the layouts it does, especially the curvature of the women mm-hmm. and, the, and the cut of uh, the jaw. Um, but I think Al Gordon's inks make it look slightly different. I would love to have seen this page by John Beatty inking him. Yeah. But, um, but this, I believe this is the last time Mike Zeck ever did an interior for Captain America. Interesting. Interesting. I love, uh, you didn't mention it, but Cap has his, uh, his right, right hand on his heart as he's imagining these women that he's uh, had relationships with. I think it's a really powerful composition. Yeah. Yeah. It's nicely done. So then Steve says, don't you understand these experiences, these visions, they're the real me. No well-intentioned lies, only the complete and unvarnished truth. Do you feel better now? I can't believe you made me watch this, Steve. And at this point, we see Sharon Carter in her shield uniform coming out. And Cap says, Sharon. 
And she says, this shield facility emits a hallucinogen gas that acts somewhat like a truth serum. We use this to debrief deep cover field agents when we need to make sure we have all the facts straight. But to all to use it for this, it's crazy. Sharon, we've been the most on-again, off-again couples ever. It's just that, well, I want you to know you can believe in me. That's sweet. But this isn't something you can just give to someone. If you think you know what you want, that's fine. But you can't make that decision for me. These are small decisions. And you know I care for you. Just give me some time to work this out. There's a lot of happening right now. I'm sorry you feel that way. But you'll always be special to me, Sharon. And I'll be here for you when you've thought this through. And then she says, for old time's sake. And they kiss as they're looking out onto the ocean and the uh, looks like the sun sunrise. I love that story. <laughs> Rick, I got to tell you, I love the art in that story, but it's a little bit needy. Needy or meaty? Needy. Needy. I love that. By, by, by Steve. All right. I All right. I want to hear this. Oh, it just feels a bit like desperate, man. I, you know, I don't know what it is, but I feel like Cap's trying too hard here. I know he loves Sharon, but I just feel like, dude, man, you know, this reminds me of like, I got to tell <laughs> I got to tell you back in the day, I was dating a girl. This is long before I met my wife. Uh-oh, now Bob's going on a tangent. I am. I got to tell you this, man. I got to tell you because this this is a this is a warning to folks, and I you, I want you to understand this, and I want you to know the risks. This is long before I met my wife, and I was dating a, a dating girl, and you know it was one of those on again, off again relationships, right? And it got to the point where it was it was long distance, and I thought to myself, I wanna I wanna impress her. I want her to know how much I care about her. So uh, I sent her a package. About three weeks later, I get a call. And she's like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? What was in the box, Bob? Yeah, you know, what was exactly. In the box? That's exactly right. She's like, what the hell did you send me? What's wrong with you? And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, I got this box and it's just, it's like, it's it's wet, it's greasy, it's stinky. And I'm like, Oh my God. I sent like, I sent like, like, you know, those boxes you get uh, for packing like books at like Home Depot when you're moving. Uh-huh. I got okay. one of those boxes and I, <laughs> I what the hell did you put in a box that's greasy and smelly. I, I filled it through full of bananas, man. And I put a note in there and I said, I'm bananas. <laughs> I'm bananas about you. But it took a lot longer than I anticipated for the mail to get there. And, you know, bananas, they 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 ripen fast, Rick. Oh, man. And so by the time they got to her, it was just like a brown gelatinous. <laughs> and she couldn't read the note. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, like, there is a limit to how desperate you need to be, you know, to try to, uh, to tell a girl how much you care about her. You got to. Oh, yeah. So, wow. I am <laughs> bananas about that story. Yeah. <laughs> Never do that, folks. Don't oh, do boy. it. Yeah. And oranges. No, no. Listen. Yeah, I could see where you mean he's desperate, right? But I got to tell you, if I was having 
girl problems. And I, and there was somebody who I adored, who I loved, but I was having a hard time expressing that to, I didn't have the right words. I was fumbling. Right. Mm -hmm. But I knew that I could go to a house <laughs> that had hallucination drugs that someone else could see in vision. Like they could see what I was yeah. envisioning. Yeah. And I'm like, here's my heart. You know? Yeah. I probably would have done it too. Okay. All right. Well, it's hard to, it's hard to debate that, Rick. I mean, if you're willing to use the hallucinogenic gas, then uh, <laughs> yeah. Who can debate that, right? Uh, <laughs> all right. Bob, we have a choice here. Okay. All right. Uh, we're, we're looking at right now an hour and a half podcast. Do we stop it here? Head out on a high note. Yep. Or do we read the next story and go through that, uh, which is uh, I, uh, an important story, I think. But but I don't know. You make the call, Bob. Here's the thing, right? Do you think our listeners would be like, look, my commute ended a long time ago. <laughs> I'm sitting in the parking lot. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. I don't need any more. Yeah. Or do you think you're like, hey, we're having fun. We should keep the fun going. What right, you right. you you make the call, Bob? I uh, it's a good question, Rick. Yeah, I'm thinking of the folks who are out of coffee. They're they're they've eaten the donut. Uh, now, 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 now remember, people can pause things and come oh, back to it. That's a good point. I God knows I've done that with plenty of my podcasts that I listen to. Yeah. Well, it's a good. Uh, it's uh, I was gonna say, let's just cut the cut cut and run and, <laughs> and just talk through talk about this final story yeah but i think let's do it man let's press all right that's what we say in the military let's press on the mission oh i like that i like that bob can give for just a moment can i pretend that i'm in the military do it do it lots of people do bob do you think <laughs> that's funny <laughs> bob do you think Mr. 25 years in the, in the Marines. Do you think I could ever possibly make it in the military knowing what you've known about me the last uh, year? You know, I think anybody can, right? That's, that's the one thing that I will take. You know, I hear people say, Oh my God, I could never join the military. I don't like to take orders or I, oh, I uh, could take orders. Yeah. You know, I don't, I can't get up early, you know, or I, I can't I can get this. up early. And what I've found in the military but am I is mentally tough enough though, Bob, you are. Rick, I think you're probably more mentally tough than I am. So uh, really? I, I think I, I think you'd be fine. I think you'd make a hell of a general. <laughs> I, I don't would. know. I would I would worry too much about sending my my troops out to something that. Uh, well, that's I, exact. That's exactly why uh, I think you'd make a great general. Well, thank you. Yeah. So. All right. Next story. Let's get to it. Uh, now this story is called relics and it's written by brian david marshall i'm not familiar with that name no nor am i artist meaning penciler inker is igor cordy i don't think i'm familiar with that nope 
But hey, Todd Klein, letters, Avalon Studios, colors, Andrew Liss, editor. So those those are back. But all right, so let's get to it. Um, I'm going to need your help with this story, Bob. Okay. I need you to do the sound effects. Okay, hold on. I'm, I'm, Can you I'm, do the bump, bump, clang, clang, flip? I, I'm progressing. I'm progressing through my uh, my my copy here. I accidentally reset. So, okay, let's go. Steve, it's me. I oh, hold on. I'm sorry. This is the part where you do the sound. All right, I, I skipped ahead to relics. Okay, here we go. All right. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna start over. Okay. Steve, it's me. I. Bump, bump, clang, clang, clang. Oh my god! <laughs> you suck at this. <laughs> well, I'm just reading you it just as a friend. Bump, bump, clang, clang, clang. <laughs> no, it's it's bump, bump, clang, clang, whoop. Okay, well, right? Because okay. you got it. You, you here's what you're thinking, right? It's Captain America's shield. Right. Okay. Right. 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 Throwing the shield and -hmm. it's hitting something, going bump, and then it's ricocheting, clang, clang, and the flip is when he catches it back into his his hand. Got it. All right. You're right. You're right. Okay. All right. Okay. Sharon, where are you? I I thought you were going to Uh, bump. Just click, click, flip. (laughs) Just let me talk for a minute, okay, Steve? I I thought we worked everything out. I thought you were going to let me talk. Sorry. Steve, I'm so happy you decided to, to be with me, but it doesn't. Then why do you let me finish? I was going to say that it doesn't Bang. work. <laughs> it doesn't work that way anymore. <laughs> you don't get to make the decision by yourself. I don't think I don't think the whole sound effects thing is my bag. <laughs> I really don't either. <laughs> I think we should just proceed uh, without the sound effects. Okay, all right. Yeah. Clang. Now the clang. All right. So what's happening here is Steve's in his room, and he's you could tell he's stressed because he's kind of taking his shield, he's ricocheting it off of right. things. Yeah. Right. Which is what sometimes a nervous person does. They may take right. a tennis ball and bounce it off a wall. Or you flip so, your uh, your challenge coin. Your what would Cap do challenge coin? You, you sort of you drop know, it on the floor. Drop yeah. it on the floor. You're yeah. thumbing it and you drop it on the floor. Right. But I do like this part where, where you see the Cap's shield ricochets off of a uh, Iron Man helmet. And it's autographed. And the Iron Man helmet says, to Cap. I don't know which head is harder, yours or this one, from Iron Man. So I like that. Clever. So so Sharon says, I'm still reeling from all the crap we've been through. I need some time, Steve. Time to make my own decisions about me, about us. Is there still going to be us? Oh, Steve, I just need some time. I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Whatever you need. I might not understand it, but I'll respect it. Just don't take too long, okay? I know, Steve, sweetie. When we hang up, get some sleep. Don't don't stay up watching TV, okay? 
you know I hardly watch that stuff. Why even mention it? I don't know. Just just try to sleep. I I love I'll talk to you in a couple of days. So Cap turns on the TV, opposite of exactly what he said he wasn't gonna do. And it's a um it looks like a skit from Saturday Night Live. Yeah. So it must be a, he must be a, up late on Saturday night. And uh, the skit is like these characters that are dressed up as like Wolverine, Ghost Rider, Punisher, which now, Bob, let's take us back mm-hmm. 2002, early 2002. We're shortly, shortly just after the 90s. Right. Right. And yeah. so what was big in the 90s? Punisher, Ghost Rider, Wolverine, all the anti-heroes. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So then on the skit on Saturday Night Live, um, the characters are like, he's late. He doesn't get her soon. He'll be really late. And then there's a guy dressed up as a cap. Golly, guys. Sorry, I'm late. What did you want to talk to me about? It's your attitude, bub. My attitude? I don't have an attitude. Exactly. You have an attitude problem. No attitude. And then everybody's laughing. But his phone rings. And Cap says, Sharon? Show him what we mean by attitude, boys. And it's, uh, you could see from his 2002 <laughs> fe- right. base phone, it's, with uh, caller ID, it says from Fury. Hey, Nick, uh, isn't this past your bedtime? I was going to say the same thing. I know I'm not the shield agent you wanted to hear from tonight. You doing all right? Other than feeling old, silly, and lonely, I'm fine. I guess I just don't understand the way relationships work anymore. It's not the relationship, Steve. It's the women. They don't make them like they used to. I got news for you, friend. They don't make women. Unless those rumors dum-dum is spreading about you and the LMDs are true. Bob, what's an LMD? A life model decoy, Rick. Thank you for asking. A joke, Steve? They finally defrosted your sense of humor after all these years? I may not get this TV show, but you're not watching that garbage. I I knew we should have put the kibosh on that. Hey. I might not think it's funny, but I wouldn't stand for you interfering with their right to say it. Hey, uh, Rick, 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 I just want to, um, I got to take a moment because mm-hmm. there has been a long standing debate uh, over the last several decades whether mm-hmm. uh, Steve Rogers is a dog person or cat person. And uh, these panels make it very, very clear that Steve has a cat. So I think uh, that debate is subtle. Um, yeah, um, there's a reason I've never heard of this writer, Brian David Mark, <laughs> because he's a hack. <laughs> Cap would totally be a dog person. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Your eye, your lying eyes, apparently. Yeah. Hmm. Predictable. Of course I know that. Why in Sam Hill do you think it's even on? You really are so you. Thanks, I I think. 
I'd say the same about you, but I know you've earned the name Fury by being so sensitive. A regular Steve Allen tonight. Listen, that girl, she she loves you, Steve. I don't know why she can't just cut to the chase. Just, just go get some sleep. Thanks, Nick. I will. And then there's some beeping coming from Steve's closet. And um, he goes into his closet. He starts pulling things out, trying to find the beeping thing. And it's in a case. There's a uh, an even older looking phone and recorder. Mm-hmm. And he plays the message. Hope this finds you, Cap. I don't know if the hotline even works anymore, but I didn't know where else to turn. We sh- we sure can't go to the cops since we were trespassing. And what do you think our parents would say if we told you we found a... So now we cut to Steve, who is in his uniform, uh, riding his motorcycle late at night. I got to say, this particular splash page um, has a little bit of a uh, Bill Sienkiewicz look to it. Oh, interesting. I, I, I see that. I, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, it's, it's an interesting splash. There's some elements of it that I like. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some that are a little bit off to me, but uh, I love like the what? girl. And the, uh, well, I mean, his face seems a little bit weird. Yeah, but that's a Bill Sinkovich yeah, right. yeah. face. Yeah, but I love the girl in the car behind, like kind of waving a cap, you know, mm-hmm. as he passes by. I think that's kind of a cool uh, little feature. Uh, there's I like a lot the of perspective. detail i like the perspective yeah the angle of the motorcycle mm-hmm. you know with it with your you're down basically on ground level and you're looking up and you're seeing the uh the tire and i like the lighting of the the headlight there's yeah there's a lot going on here though like there is that. a lot of detail so we hear uh nick fury's voice a nuclear bomb I thought you were going to sleep. There might be something to this, Steve. Seems that if the in the 50s, a C-124 Globemaster with a strategic support squadron carrying three nuclear devices crashed off the coast of Atlantic City. To lighten the load, they dumped the, uh, the, the devices, sans nuclear cores, at sea. The markings you gave me match up with the records from the flight manifest. The cores were all recovered, though you're chasing a dud, Steve. So the next page, we cut to Steve getting to the coordinates. And it's a um, uh, a heavily wooded area and a heavily fenced area. Not a dud, Nick. You said it was just one point safe, which is still pretty dangerous. may not be a nuclear bomb, but it's still a bomb. That's what bomb squads are for. You should get some sleep. I'm not tired. Besides, why put those men at risk when I can just do it myself? Never mind what I said about women before. They don't make them like you anymore. Now, I know that's a compliment. What did you find about this abandoned town? The Army Corps of Engineers cleared out the town of Chansey, New Jersey, for a dam project, eminent domain, etc. Actually, cleared a bunch of towns on both sides of the Delaware. Eventually, a bunch of environmentalist yahoos got the whole thing shut down. I guess no one ever got around to giving the land back because it still belongs to the U.S. of A. Got yourself a genuine ghost town. 
cap. Are you there? What is it? Hello? Come back here. And he sees somebody running. He chases after him. I want to talk to you. And then the person chasing is, is panting and wheezing, but he's wearing a, a red skull mask. And Cap grabs him, and he's, he's like, who are you? But then behind him, he sees a couple of other people dressed up as in a Nazi uniform with a red skull mask. But one guy's wearing a riding a crutch. The other guy throws a rock so far that it goes only a couple feet in front of him. And Cap's like, you've got to be kidding me. Is this some kind of idea of a joke? You're clearly not the Red Skull. Who the heck are you? And he takes the mask off and is just an elderly person. And then you hear someone in the background, help, help, somebody help me. And so he, he looks and he, he's like, where are you? And, and there's a bunch of old red skulls, you know, you know, with a wheelchair and on crutches and canes coming after him. He's, and you hear the crying, help, help. Who are you people? Somebody stop them. I'm almost there. I keep yelling before they, they're going to kill Captain America. And sur- surround us. And there's a splash page. And in front of this, like, church is um, Cap running to where the person was yelling, but it was a trap. And surrounding him is dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of people dressed as a red skull. He's like, please, I, I, I don't want to hurt you. But they're all overwhelming him. But he's really not fighting back. And they, they do. They, they overwhelm him. So he's unconscious. And he wakes up. And there's a timer. And the timer looks like, I don't know, what, 15 minutes to go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's somebody there. Like clockwork, from your predictable reaction to the hotline, to your unwillingness to strike your elders. And Cap's tied to a, a big... Nazi statue. You could test my will if you let me loose. I might surprise you. Good, good. I will savor this all the more if you exhibit your vaunted fighting spirit. And here he is on the stage in this church tied to this Nazi statue and all of the, the people dressed as the Red Skull in, in the, in the uh, stands. But the one main person is there you are an impressive specimen. It's a shame you should choose to enslave yourself to this mongrel nation, this pitiful dem- democratic society that rewards the weak. What would anyone wearing the mask know about that democratic society? I could tell you more than you care to know. I'm only here at the behest of your government. Myself and countless others you see with me were smuggled into this country. Our war crimes expunged in exchange for meaningless information about the Fuhrer's plans for a nuclear device. At first, I was content to chew my cud and grow fat in my split-level home here in Chansey. I even paid my taxes. Then we were forced from our homes by the very same government, a government so vast and corrupt 
that one tentacle was unaware of what the other one was doing. We were but a splinter of the spear, but we knew we could stab at America's heart. Our brothers in your government learned of the ditch device. They also learned that your leaders lied about recovering all the cores. Obtaining the bomb was easy, but the missing core eluded me for many years. By the time we found it, we had aged from a vital army to a suicide cult. I have lived on hatred for many years waiting for this moment. Fifteen seconds is just enough time to think about everyone you would have ever loved. The Cap struggling to get out of his chains. You can struggle all you want, Captain America. When this is all over, there will be a glassy crater where New Jersey used to be. And lying in the center will be your indestructible shield. And everyone will know that America's champion failed them. So Cap struggles so hard that he picks up the statue he's chained to and uses it to, to break free and crush forward. Magnificent! Your struggles only sweeten this long, anticipate dessert. Let me tell you about America, Nazi. America is a place where you're free to think and feel however you choose, but you can't hurt people. You squandered your chance at the American dream. You gave up your chance at tomorrow. And that's the difference between us. Even when things seem hopeless, America always finds hope. Now, during all this, Bob, he's um, he's getting the, the core, the bomb, and he's taking it and he's throwing it up into the sky. And he's throwing it out of the church, breaking through a window. But the 15 seconds stops. And there's an explosion. So on the next page, we see the aftermath of the explosion. There's helicopters, there's smoke, there's guys in hazmat suits. No, sir, only the bike, but that's not surprising if he was at the center of the explosion. Any idea yet on what happened? What in the name of Sam Hill do you think? A great man saved our hash once more time. Tell me again, son. Only the bike? What about the shield? Did you find the shield? No, sir, we're still looking. You keep doing that. You keep doing that. One more time, old friend. One more time. And that is the end of that story. Woo! It's a bit of a cliffhanger there, Rick. All right, Bob, I guess, um, well, the next story is a little bit of a aftermath. Um, it picks right up on the next page, different writer, different artist. Um, yeah, this one is, um, it's called a moment of silence and Jeff Van Meter is the writer, Brian Hertz pencils, Jim Mathood inks. And then we have, uh, back Avalon studios, colors, Todd Klein letters. Um, I don't know, Bob. I know you really, really like this story, this next story. Uh, 
you know, we won't I, cover it panel by panel, but maybe you could just describe what happens in the story. I, I do, Rick. I mean, I, I, I do love this story because uh, it's, it's, uh, it deals with kids, man. It deals with kids who, uh, who look up to Cap, that, uh, that revere Cap and what Cap stands for, and, and their reaction to, um, to this news story, right? Uh, I mean, I think most people remember 9-11. Right. Yeah. Now, uh, now that's a good point you brought up, Bob, because this came out in December of 2001. Right. Yeah. And uh, and I think most of us remember how we felt, where we were when we first learned of 9-11. And so this story is told with a similar sort of, uh, of, of uh, uh, narrative approach. Right. Like where were these kids when they first heard that Captain America was dead, that he he died in this uh, in this explosion, and uh, and of course they were in school. And how did they react? How did their how did their peers react? How did the how did the staff react? Uh, and I don't want to give too much away because I think we've covered some of the other stories. And um, what I will say is, um, I think this is an important story. Uh, it's an important story because not only does it touch on just sort of the general sense of how people respond to the reporting of Captain America's death, but sort of the relationships among the different kids. And there are kids of different ethnicities and different races and different classes. And, and um, it's an important story to read. Um, and I don't want to mm-hmm. give too much away, but there are some characters that, um, that are big fans of Captain America. Uh, but when the time comes to step up and ask what Captain America would do, they don't. And I think that's a powerful reminder that uh, we always have to be on sort of guard, right? We have to be on guard for our fears and our, our biases and our concerns and, and ask ourselves what would Cap do in the moment and try to, mm-hmm. to kind of step up and be that sort of hero in the limited way that we can as regular people, right. In our everyday regular lives, but there's a lot we can do to step up when other people are hurting, when other people are scared, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, when other people are in need, there's lots we can do. And, and Cap calls on us, right. This mythos calls on us to step up and be that sort of hero in our own community. Yep. So no. let's not let's not cover the story in detail, but let's let's ask our readers to go and read that story and mm-hmm. tell us what they thought of it. No, I love that idea. Yeah, yeah. Go check out volume three, number fifty. Um, and uh, you know, for the very very minimum, is to go and check out this this story. And then there's another story after this too, and we won't. You know, I know this is getting a little long, so. I won't get to to the next story, um, but the next story after this, the final story of the of the uh, the issue, is um, uh, you know one of my all time favorite artists, Bob. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kevin McGuire. Yeah, and for good reason. Yeah, you know he's uh, of Justice League International fame. Um, that's where I was really introduced to him, and uh, love. He's the master of facial expression, right? Master of facial expression. He, you know what? I, I, I no no offense to anyone else who did any of the enough said stories. I would have loved to have seen, seen a, um, a Kevin McGuire enough said where it was just 
told through Kevin Maguire's art because he can tell like one page with multiple panels. He can tell a story just by the, the facial expressions that he drew. Um, But so this, this last story is called um, stars and stripes forever. It's written by Evan Dorkin. Now, Evan Dorkin, you might go, I kind of know that name. Who does that? Um, Evan Dorkin, I believe, did a comic series, an independent comic series called Milk and Cheese. I'm unfamiliar with that. It's, uh, it was a, oh gosh, when did that happen? I want to say the early 90s. Um, there was a, a, a publisher called Slave Labor Graphics. And um, it, was, it had a cult following for quite some while uh, in the nineties. Um, so, and I, I, quite frankly, I'm not sure, you know, how much Evan Dorkin did outside of that. I, I, I'm pretty sure he did a ton of like other comics. Um, like he, I, I, I want to say he did, um, you know, some stuff from DC and uh, a few other, you know, Marvel comics, like, you know, Bill and Ted's, it, you know, excellent adventure or something like that. But anyway, he, um, he's the writer for this story, but Kevin McGuire is the uh, artist and it's a great story where it's only eight pages, but um, the, the first, I want to say six pages or something like that is, is all, one panel for each character. So, and they're all reacting to Captain America dying in this story, right? So you have Iron Man, then you have um, Janet Pym and Hank, I'm sorry, Janet Van Dyne and Hank Pym. Um, You have Captain Britain, you have Nomad, Thor, um, Mr. Hyde, Namor, Modoc, Tony Stark, um, Brick Jones, J. Jonah Jameson, Fantastic Four, The Mad Thinker, uh, Shield, Dum 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 Dugan, Crusher Creel, John Walker, um, uh, Black Widow, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, Hydra. Um, you have. Uh, Arnim Zola. Oh yeah. Arnim Zola. Um, Henry Guyridge. Um, you have Hawkeye, Dr. Doom. Whoa, 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 whoa. You, you missed, you, you missed that guy. The guy in the bar. Yeah. You know who I think that is? You remember, do you remember that old SNL skit about the bears and like, uh, uh, and they had, uh, had, they had a number of characters about old, old, Brasky. Do you, remember, do you remember that skit? Yeah, I do. I don't see I, that here. That is the guy. I'm telling no. you, that's the guy. He was also in the office. He played, uh, he was in the office for a while. I can't remember the actor's All name. Right. Well, you know, Kevin McGuire be fun here. Yeah, I think that's him. Yeah. I mean, they even have Jarvis and and uh and Black Panther, um, Red Skull. Uh you have um Batroc de Lipa. And you have a you have a comic shop guy, right? 
right? and, then, yep. and then Sharon and Nick. And then, of course, who does it end with? It ends with Sam, right? Sam, and then the big, big funeral for Captain America. So uh, it's a great last story. We don't have time to cover it right now. Um, check it out. Uh, and and I, I'm sure you'll, you'll appreciate it because, again, Kevin McGuire does a uh, fantastic job with the, with the art. Yeah, it's a great story. And, you know, again, uh, although, um, as you, as you pointed out, Toby, we don't, the, uh, Dworkin is not, not like a, uh, you know, it's not a well-known name, at least among cap fans. Right. Um, it's not easy to sort of encapsulate a character. Encapsulate. In a I like, I like that. Right. Yeah. You like that? Yeah. A little pun on words unintended, but thank you. I'll take it. But to encapsulate a character's sentiments in a single panel, right. In a single thought balloon or a word balloon about cap. Uh, that's, that's not easy. I mean, that's yeah. and to have that level of familiarity with all these characters and to be able to do that. So, so well, I mean, it is, uh, is laudable. Yeah. I, I loved, I lo- thank you for saying that because I love how you uh, brought out that he does. He, he, how would the Fantastic Four talk about Cap? How would Doctor Doom talk about Cap? How would Rick Jones? You know, he he did he did an excellent job. And if you are a lover of Captain America, and I know you are, it's a great story because you get to see all these people uh, revere Captain America, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's almost, I don't know, Bob, I think, I think every one of us has a little bit of a, you know, uh, morbid curiosity of attending our own funeral. Like what would people say about us? Right. If they showed up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Especially for, for me. So, you know, what would they say? Right. And so there, there's a little bit of a morbid curiosity of, of how each person would react to someone's death. And it's great seeing how the Marvel Universe reacts to Captain America's death. And, and someone who loves Cap as much as we all do, it's fun. This story is fun kind of seeing how that is. So, right. Yeah. So, yeah, check that out. Yeah. Oh, Bob. Wow. Woo. I'm spent. Yeah. Right. We've been. Yeah. Chatting about this for a couple of hours now. Yeah. Um, so it's been uh it's been a great time. So I promised that we would talk about um at the very end. And listen, if you're still listening, God love you. Yeah. We Hyd- love you. Yeah, and hydrate. <laughs> Stay hydrated, folks. You you are our core audience. You you we you you are certainly the ones uh that we appreciate. So um what are we talking about next, Bob? Well, now that we're now that we're over fifty, right? Yeah. Once you get over fifty, you you tend to maybe you tend to look back a little bit, right? And you yeah. you kind of look back and you go, ah, oh, what about my youth, right? What about uh, my younger days? What what helped get me to where I'm at nowadays? That, that true? Oh, that is absolutely true. Yeah. And you look back at your, uh, your successes and, uh, and your failures and you, you know, you got the balance sheet, right. 
and you wonder where uh, where things are going in the future. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So so let's let's go back and uh, and and look at uh, the nineteen seventies, Bob. Are you ready for that? Yeah. Right, because that's when you became a Captain America fan. It is late seventies for sure. Yeah. So we're going to go back to 1973, right? Yeah. I know you like to say that's going in the way back machine. Right. Yes. <laughs> so we're, we're going to go in the way back machine to 1973. That is quite frankly, almost 50 years ago. Now I'm not a math major. I mean, it's probably 48 years ago, but let's just say it's almost like 50 round years up. ago. Yeah. Round, round up. Um, and we're going to cover Captain America 161 in 162. Now, you might say to yourself, why? Why would you so, do that? What's so important about those issues, you might ask? It is um, a two-part story by Steve Englehart and drawn by Sal Basima. And mm-hmm. it is bringing back two very important characters in Captain America's life that haven't been around for quite some time. It's the return of Dr. Faustus and the return of Peggy Carter. We're going to cover that in episode 51, which covers Captain America 161, 162. Now, Bob, we don't normally talk about two episodes ahead, but we're going to go ahead and do that. Should we do that? Do it. Do it, Rick. Okay. So in episode 52, our guest that we're going to have on the show, you already broke the news earlier and you kind of ruined I, it. I ruined it. I'm sorry, everybody. Steve Englehart. Mm-hmm. Some people say best Captain America writer of all time. He is going to join us for episode 52. And uh, we'll talk about um, the return of Dr. Faustus and Peg Carter with him as among many, many, many other topics. So that uh, come back for 51 to cover that story and 52 to cover Steve Englehart's interview. Yep. Yep. A few people, I think, Rick, I, I don't think it's even arguable. Few people have, uh, have shaped the Captain America as we, as we know him today, as much as Steve Englehart. So you don't, you don't want to miss this. That's right. I agree. So Bob, I don't know if I've told you this before, but I've really enjoyed wrapping cap with you. Yeah. It's been a long wrap, but uh, <laughs> well worth it, my friend. Well worth it. All right. For everybody listening, he's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbonis, and you've been listening to the Captain America comic book fans podcast. <laughs>